Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott, and with me is Pastor Ara. Hi, guys. Hi, Cornerstone. And Andy Wilson. Hey, everybody. Uh, you probably have seen on Sunday, Andy is our new uh, Sunday services director. Is that the, is that the right? I'm sorry. Yeah. I, so I, I think it's, uh, it's either director of Sunday services or Sunday services director. Okay. I don't have a preference. All right. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be great if you're like really passionate about one mm-hmm, or the yeah, other. Yeah. And we just found out right now. Um, <laughs> Live on, on tape. That's right. On, on this podcast, we thought we'd just provide an opportunity to get to know Andy a little bit. This is this is kind of a new experience for us because we. Um, it's been a long time. If we have ever, I don't think we've ever hired somebody from the outside, particularly for a a. a um, key kind of public role like our Sunday services director. And so it's a new experience for Andy. It's a new experience for us. And it's a new experience for us as a church family. And so I um, thought this would be a fun way to get to, you know, continue to get to know him. Although we brought you from the outside, Ara. I was outside and then I came inside. But you've been, you were around for like three years before. Yes. Yeah. You like came on staff, became a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. But it was amazing journey. Which I, when I met Andy, uh-huh. we went to Persian food. Andy, you loved it. You yeah, know? it was amazing. We ate a lot. Yeah, so good. And uh, and then we talk about our my experience and how uh, Cornerstone kind of changed my life um, spiritually and also uh, to see a, a very healthy, good church. Mm. Uh, which is so different than other churches that I've been. So, and also like people here in Cornerstone, really, so, I enjoy them. So Andy's been here two months. So now I want to know how Cornerstone changed his life. That's mm. really what mm. I want to. Mm. <laughs> Let's just get right into it. <laughs> so you remember, <laughs> you remember you will get the check pay, yeah. your pay <laughs> in two days, three days. Yeah. Well, so no, Andy, why, why don't you just uh, give us a little bit of background of where you're from, uh, where you grew up, how you, what brought you to LA? Sure. Uh, I'm from Portland, Oregon. Um, I was born and raised there. Um, like in Portland, around Portland? Great question. Um, uh, in and around Portland. Um, my folks lived in Southeast Portland when I was really little. And then we moved to uh, Milwaukee, Oak Grove area, which is like 10 minutes south of Portland, Portland. Okay. Portland proper, people say. Um, and so I grew up there for most of my life, from second grade through high school. Okay. Yeah. And then what brought me to LA was um, in 2017, I started my doctorate in music at USC. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. So I, I want to talk some more about that. But first, so growing up in Portland, mm-hmm. um, what did you enjoy doing? Like, what was... What did I enjoy doing? So um, in Portland, um, being from the Northwest, I really love the outdoors. Um, I love to camp. I used to snowboard um, when I was little. No more Um, snowboarding? Well, I I hurt my knee. I tore my meniscus. That'll that'll do it. And I I just don't want to ruin that anymore. (laughs) Um, Have you ever been snowboarding, Ara? uh, No, because in soccer, I got two times my knees. So I can't. I'm very afraid. But I'd love to do it, but it's just risky mm-hmm. for me. Have you ever yeah. been skiing? Uh, yeah, but mm-hmm. I don't like it. Like how, no. how I fell, like I don't like it. Mm. 
Mm. What about sledding? Do you like sledding? Oh, I love uh, sledding. Yeah. Do you like sledding? You see, any, anything like uh, the game that is coming, what do you call like Six Flag? I got very sick. Mm. So I can't. Oh, like do a roller coaster? A roller coaster or uh, something like fast is going. It's just my body is not. But I love, enjoy to see in mm, snowboarding. Yeah. I can like. Or cook. tubing. Have you ever been tubing? Uh, yeah. Especially with the kids. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We try to do it, but I'm not the person. Okay. All right. So apart from snowboarding, then, mm-hmm. Andy, what are your favorite, what, what are your other favorite like winter activities? Winter activities? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, are there other winter activities? I mean, I don't know. You can go sledding. You can Sled- go well, ice yeah, sled- like sledding. Ice hockey. I hadn't, I hadn't played uh, or hadn't been ice skating in a long time. I think the first time I went was in Chicago. I was there for a conference. Okay. I want to say, and it was like, uh, anyway, they had that like famous skating rink there. Uh-huh. I feel like um, it's always a fun place to learn to, to yeah, ice skate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like the, out there. In the, there was in there was an ice rink in my mall growing up, uh, but I just n- had never really gone. Uh, I rollerbladed a lot mm. when I was a kid. Um, so so West LA fact. Yeah, we have a historic ice rink in Culver City. Oh, really? That was there. You know, for really? been there for years. Like they they. Like really proud of the ice rink, but it it closed down just a few years ago. Oh, it was no. really sad, Ugh. and so they but they preserved the outside of it, mm-hmm. like the facade, and they still have the sign up that says you know ice skating or ice rink. Yeah, mm. and, and it's a hardware store. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> like like it still looks like an ice rink from the outside. It's it, it's the, one of the most random, so funny. like historical preservation. Like, I don't, it's I a historical know. hardware store. It, it's right. It's I, right. I, um, in that same vein, I like to go uh, roller skating when I was okay. kid, back when roller rinks were a thing, <laughs> had many birthdays there. Got my first pair of Nikes stolen from one of those places oh. in sixth grade. It was very sad. I would say that sounds like a traumatic memory. It was. Yeah. It was the first time my parents, my parents bought me like actually nice basketball shoes uh, and, uh, and they got stolen. I, they had lockers. I just didn't use them because no one used lockers. They just put their shoes under the benches. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, yeah, yeah. every single person. <laughs> All right. So back to summer activities. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you like hiking, you like getting outdoors. Yeah. Outdoors stuff, anything outdoors. I love to set up camp for like, four days and just live off the land mm. and cook really nice food. I was going to say, but if I live off the land, <laughs> <laughs> just no electricity, you know, yeah, solar power, yeah, yeah. <laughs> solar power is fine. Andy, just let you know, I'm not a, a winter sport and also I'm not camping guy. Okay. Good so to know. if somebody comes with me, yeah, like they had some experience before some of the members, uh-huh. like I'm not a camping guy. Got it. Got it. Good to know. So, sorry. Good to know. See, we've we, connected about this, yeah, yeah. but Ara has, he, he tried so it this still, last year. Still, I cannot go out with you. Really? <laughs> you know what's funny is... is so, I, but I know you love Iranian food, so that's I do. Uh, you, you common. Can do that. It's a positive. You can do that. A yeah. plus. I, meeting people in California that don't like to camp is is kind of odd to me. Really? Like, because everyone at home is just like, hey, you want to go camping? Yeah, let's go. I have all the stuff ready to go. Yeah. Just like, it's just... I mean, there's an episode of Portlandia about like, it. Like our entire staff. Yeah. Like, we, like, this is why I was so excited yeah. to connect with you. I was like... Finally, yeah. So I mean, uh, just some people Bri- don't like being outdoors. Brian or- does not go camping. Yeah, mm-hmm. Matt does not go camping. You Jose, can put- Jose goes camping in a like pop up trailer. Okay, sure, sure. But that's like about it. Yeah. So you can put my name. Ara does not, not go camping. Go- yes, definitely. <laughs> Steph Moss does not go camping. Uh-huh. I mean, I do bring a queen size air mattress. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I, I have a tent that I can stand up in, which I like. Nice. Hey, you know what? That works. Yeah. Okay. So, so you mentioned Portlandia. I was going to ask about Portlandia earlier, mm-hmm. but I've never seen it. And so I didn't know if it was an appropriate show mm. to mention on the podcast. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've only seen a couple episodes of it, but the uh, ones that I have seen are, yeah, they're, they're appropriate. Okay. I'd say. And, and think, is it, but well, that's fine. Is it, uh, is it, uh, consistent with your experience of Portland? Yes, it's um, it's definitely a satirized version of it. Fair enough. Um, uh, and it's a little over the top, but the points are are right on for sure. <laughs> There's an episode, I think, where uh, they're at a, a, a like an organic restaurant and there's a chicken on the menu and they give like a full detailed list of like the name of the chicken, where it, where it was raised, <laughs> who raised it, all this stuff. Uh, another one that's really good is Got to Get the Gear. Uh-huh. which, and it's it just, they're coming up with all these kind of Portland activities and they're like, oh, well, we need to get, we need to get fleeces for that, uh, fleece vests <laughs> or, you know, like just all this stuff that you can get at REI uh-huh. basically. Yeah. Just like, and then they end up with at least five layers of clothing and equipment on their uh-huh. bodies. And it's really funny because uh-huh. that's how people are. They're like, yeah, I have so much stuff. Like I have a closet at home that is full of camping gear. And then mm. I have a storage unit above my car that is mm. full of camping gear. So a cornerstone, people, if you need any anything for camping, you mm-hmm. can borrow that's, from that's, Andy. <laughs> that's right. I, I can teach yeah. you how to survive outdoors for a couple mm. days. I, I mean, I always feel like it's, I'm not a big shopper, but like REI is my weak spot. Oh yeah, for sure. Like getting out of there without something in my hand mm-hmm. is yeah. like a gigantic when I, when I saw your Yeti mug uh-huh. my first couple weeks here I was coveting it so I had to <laughs> I had to do my first John 1-9 and rebound my sins <laughs> alright alright so going from the you know service level external mm-hmm. a, a little bit deeper how um, how did you first come to know Christ did you did you grow up in the church did yeah, you, mm-hmm. yeah I grew up in church I've uh, been going to church my entire life um I feel like, I think I was six when I figured out what being a Christian or being saved was. Hmm. Um, and I think, I think I gave my life to Christ then, hmm. but I was also six. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was baptized when I was 13, I think, or, see, yeah. 13 or 15, I can't yeah. remember. And, um, and that was, uh, I think more of a, well, it's a public declaration, but mm-hmm. I think for me, it was definitely more of a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah, I grew up in the church. Um, my whole family has been going to church for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always been a part of my life. What was, what was your journey like? Like, I don't know, from that, you know, six, 13, I think, you know, you get baptized at 13. Mm-hmm. But then there's like, you know, college and everything else like that. Like what, what has that faith journey mm. Uh, entailed let's see here so uh when i was baptized i was going to a church called milwaukee christian church milwaukee uh which is the name of the town that i grew up in depending on what side of the town you're in it was either oak grove or milwaukee both Mm -hmm. addresses work uh if you want to mail my parents something (laughs) um and so i was going there with my best friend dan rue and we started going there to the to the youth group and uh camp we he i eventually went to camp with that church. And that was my first experience with camp too. Mm-hmm. My, um, the church I grew up in was a small, smaller church. Um, my folks still go to church with those people. Mm-hmm. And, um, there wasn't, there wasn't like a youth group. It was Sunday school mm-hmm. and we would have Sunday school and we would, um, you know, sing hymns, take notes, you know, be, be really in depth, uh, with Bible doctrine. And mm-hmm. it was a great way to, 
to get um, a good foundation for b- biblical knowledge at such a young age too, which doesn't really happen all that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to church with my friend Dan and I was like, I walked into the youth room and I'm like, what is this place? What is this chaos? There, there, there's different colored paint on the walls. There's couches, there's a drum set. And mm-hmm. I was just like, what is it? Cause it was so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And so I started going there um, more often. Uh, my parents uh, would take me to church there mm-hmm. and then go to their church. Or sometimes I would get a ride with, with my buddy, Dan. Mm-hmm. And then of course, when I turned 16, I drove myself, but the, the fact that they were so willing to drive me this completely separate place to go to church because that's where I was feeling like I wanted to go to church was mm. it was amazing. And looking back, you know, I didn't realize yeah, at yeah. the time this, mm-hmm. the many sacrifices my parents made uh, for me and my sister. Um, and so, yeah, I did that. And then I ended up uh, leading worship there actually mm. at uh, when I was probably 15 or 16, just I had played guitar. Okay. Since, so I was going to ask when, yeah, when that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely started. around that time. Um, I picked up guitar in fifth grade with my friend, Tony Cornella, and uh, my friend, Kyle McCrate. He played bass. Hmm. And we just kind of jammed around. And, and it was fun. And then when I found myself there, I can't remember how it happened. I either said that I were was you, available. Were you playing guitar? Yeah, playing okay. guitar, yeah. Um, I either said I was available or someone didn't show up or I can't remember. But anyway, and so like we started a youth band and I sort of led the youth worship band. And then once or twice a year, we led worship in big church. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, just kind of started uh, doing contemporary worship stuff, stuff there. And yeah. What were you, were you exposed to contemporary worship at the church you grew up in with your parents? Um, I would say no. Okay. Uh, there was, we, I, the most contemporary uh, thing I would say is like the Gaither vocal band, which I love. <laughs> they're, they're amazing. My dad loves them too. Um, and, but that's, I mean, compared to what I was, the music we were doing there, mm-hmm. that's probably more contemporary in quotes, but yeah. But not really, no. Okay. Uh, it wasn't until I went to camp uh, with uh, with that church that I was going to where I experienced worship with uh, a guitar and a drum set and, mm. and all that. Andy, uh, how many brothers and sisters you have? I have one sister. One sister mm-hmm. older than you? Older than me, yep. So she yeah. lives in? Uh, she lives in Portland, Portland. With, her, with her family. Mm-hmm. So anybody in your family, like I'm curious like to see if there is any musician in your family that play guitar or anything? That... Um, yeah, sort of. I would say um, a lot of people dabble, but no one, no one's a professional musician or anything. My mom plays piano at church or played mm-hmm. for many years. Um, my dad played trombone growing up, which oh. I think his trombone is still in the garage somewhere. Do you know I played the trombone? I did not know that. I don't that. think you knew this, are. No. Which one is trombone? Yeah, this one. The, oh, like, wow. The, the, yeah, out and back. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> this one on the radio. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for two years in middle school. Nice. Yeah, it was a, it was a sweet time. I picked it up once. Um, <laughs> so what about your sister? My sister, um, she sings, um, but not like, you know, a it, lot. Is it right? Like you have to have that, that uh, what do you call that blood in the music um, in your family, like, like genetically? Yeah. No, uh, I would say I, I think maybe you, you don't think so. No, I, I think talent is a myth. Personally, in my in my professional opinion, that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Explain. So okay, <laughs> um, there's a lot of people who say they can't sing, and it's for a few reasons. Either they don't know how to breathe properly, 
Um, they don't know how to resonate properly with their mouth, their face, and all that. Uh, and then confidence, which is usually the biggest one. At some point in their life, they were told that they can't sing by someone who didn't know what they were doing or where they were lazy or didn't have good pedagogy or, or who knows. But I, honestly, like, so there, there are certain physiological uh, advantages that people might have, you know, just like in sports, you know, yeah, like, yeah. but at the end of the day, it comes down to hard work and guidance, hmm. you know, like those extra things mm -hmm. that might call you, cause you to uh, say someone's talented in that way. Like that's, they just had those things that lined up in their body mm. and work uh, without uh, uh, trying. So, so, so it is like easier for some people. Yeah. For some people, but you can totally learn that too. Okay. And, oh. and sometimes it's a lot of stripping things away because we, especially and, uh, as, uh, and I'll say as an American uh, person who s speaks the way that we do in America, or at least in this part of the country, we tend to speak down here back. Whereas like, in other parts of the country or in the, of the world, like say in like Britain, like they speak up here and, and it's so much, it's more, so much more conducive to actual singing because when huh. you, when you talk back here like this, you can't sing, you can't project. It's like, there's, there's your body's working against you in that sense. Mm -hmm. the, uh, do you think like, this is a serious question. Uh -huh. uh, do, you, <laughs> do you think like Pastor Matt can sing? I, I think so. I, I But mean, his I hope body so. is not showing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we should put him on the the room mic on a Sunday and see see what happens. Yeah. Let's see. But yeah, no, he asked me for voice lessons. I don't know if he was choking or not. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to to figure out when he's being sarcastic and when he's well, not. He's already working on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know, man. I, I think I think if you uh, if you took him up on it and he, he might be like, oh, oh, thanks. I really I really appreciate mm -hmm. that, you know. Mm -hmm. But if but if you're if you're like, no, you can't. He's like, oh, that's, that's cool. I, I was just joking. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. you gotta. The, the, the ambiguity helps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if, 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 if you give me 30 minutes with somebody who thinks that they can't sing, I could probably get them to sing in tune. Mm. And I know that sounds cocky. I don't, I don't mean no, it that way. I just mean, like, so, there's certain things that you can just do. As long as they're willing and willing to put themselves out there and risk, risk that, mm -hmm. should be pretty easy. Okay, so I, I've, I'm more recently... Absolutely convinced of this. Mm -hmm. So and I, I don't think he's going to mind me telling this story, but uh, my, my oldest Harper, he's 15. Mm -hmm. You've met him. Um, he, uh, he's always said, you know, he's, he's come to believe, I don't know, maybe it's my fault <laughs> that he can't sing. And he loves acting, loves theater, but he, he, he uh, always said, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not, so I'm not going to be a part of a school musical. Like I'll be on crew or whatever, but I'm not going to um, yeah. be a part of it. And, uh, He's like, unless it's like one of my favorites mm -hmm. and his school was doing Les Mis this mm -hmm. year. And he's like, Oh dang it. I need to, <laughs> I have to audition. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And, um, he, we, he has a piano teacher who also does some vocal stuff. And, um, I mean, he only like, it was only a couple of weeks between when they got like assignments and the, and the auditions. And he went from like not being able to hold a tune at all to hitting all the notes now yeah, yeah. i i don't think he got cast mm -hmm. um and because that's i mean two weeks is a s really small sample oh, for size sure. yeah. but the change but but the change in there mm -hmm. i was stunned by yeah. the amount of growth that happened in those couple of weeks um and a, and a lot of it was even just his uh willingness mm -hmm. to put himself out there and be yeah. like i'm a no i'm i'm, I'm really mm -hmm. gonna actually try this yeah mm -hmm. and I, I, 
it I, I I was shocked at the amount of growth in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's amazing when when you have um, intentionality about behind something that mm. you and and the fact that you love something, mm-hmm. um, you're you're somehow so much more motivated mm-hmm. to do the thing. And with singing, there's this phenomenon where um, it's it's that in the moment thing when when like when you're in the moment, uh-huh. every and everything's just clicking and you're in the zone. Um, it just somehow everything lines up, like your brain, your body, your breath, your actual singing voice. Um, it happens in, in every instrument. But because the singing voice is part of your body, it's so much more personal. Mm. And that's why that's part of the reason why when people are told they can't sing, it's a double, triple whammy. It's not just like, hey, you're not very good at guitar playing. Mm. It's like because people tend to take it personally because like this is me. This is who how I can't change this, mm. you know, but you can. Um, and so, so yeah, when you, when you get into a place where you're like, I love this with every fiber of my being, you tend, these, these walls tend to come, uh, falling down and you mm. can just do things. Mm. And it, yeah, I think that's probably what, what happened when he had, yeah, yeah, yeah. cause you said it was one mm. of his favorite musicals, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, there's a lot going on with the teenage, uh, voice. Well, that's, that's so, the other side to this, a, right? Yeah. He's like, it's utter chaos. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, you know, and, and which is. What actually, I mean, I still, and I, I told him this, like what made me so impressed about the whole thing. It wasn't even, it wasn't about like the part or not, but like putting the work in mm-hmm. and seeing the growth and it, in the midst of that, like, yeah. I'm like, dude, that's a, that's another that's a thing. huge win. Is people, people don't realize that it takes uh, so much work and concentration mm-hmm. to, to sing properly and mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. they think, they think it's, well, it is an extension of the speaking voice, but it's, it's on a completely different level. Yeah, and yeah. so you have to put what people don't realize is a lot more effort and intention into doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we talked a little bit about your journey and the, you know, high school, everything like that. Um, what, what was your faith journey like through college and beyond? Let's see here. So in college, I went to, a labeled Methodist university. However, it wasn't very Methodist. Uh-huh. Um, and there, I, I found myself not really going to church much mm-hmm. in college. Um, I went on occasion because mm-hmm. I had uh, people that I knew that were directing choirs at various places. And, and um, it just I, somehow didn't, it wasn't a huge part of my life mm-hmm. back then. I don't know. I don't know why it just, I wasn't feeling led to go to church. I was still in, in my faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, it could have just been, maybe I thought I was too busy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hard to say, but yeah, through college, I didn't really go to church much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, but I'm so thankful that I didn't like fall away mm-hmm. from the church, you know, cause a lot of people that who are in that age group mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. definitely fall away or yeah, come yeah. back later. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, I went to grad school after that for the first time. And I, what, what, yeah. What, yeah. What was grad school? For again, uh, I went to grad school the first time for uh, choral conducting, okay. masters of choral conducting. Okay, and that was up in Washington, and I I ended up um, uh, opening a church with. Well, actually, I didn't open it. I came on as uh, the new worship leader for a very newly planted uh, church, or I don't maybe it was independent. I don't know. It was a Nazarene church okay. called the the River, I think it was, mm-hmm. and I was with them very briefly. But mm-hmm. that was my first, I guess, probably real worship leading job. That uh-huh. was not volunteer uh-huh. and did that. And then, uh, then the economy crashed in 2008. And uh-huh. so I didn't leave. And so eventually I was closely after that, then I came back to, to Portland okay. and, uh, and then 
um, for it was a brief period in between. And then I went back to my undergrad Willamette University, uh, go Bearcats. And uh, I did the master's in teaching program there so okay. I could get licensed in Oregon and teach, uh-huh. teach public school. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you did teach some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I taught for two or so years at McNary high school in Kaiser, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which is, I had, I held that job concurrently with, my job at Salem First Presbyterian Church. Okay, and you, so you led worship at Salem First Presbyterian for seven. Years? I think seven years. Yeah, seven years. Seven. Oh. Yeah, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I, and I think this is really interesting. Then you came down to LA mm-hmm. to uh, to go to USC. Yep. For a doctorate in sacred music. A doctorate in choral and sacred music. Yes. Okay, doctorate in choral and sacred music. Mm-hmm. I, I think most people. I even think most people in our church don't know that exists. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably accurate. <laughs> What what is a doctorate in choral and sacred music? Like, like what are you studying? What is mm-hmm. that? What's that about? So the it's it's basically at the at this level, it's how to be a collegiate choral conductor or mm-hmm. a professional choral conductor, essentially. Um, and so you take conducting classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a lab where you have you and your friends, and they sing back to you, and you you workshop like how you move your body, what you do with your face, how you hold your body. How you, uh, what your fingers do, what your elbows do, what your shoulders do, how fast, how slow, how all this different, uh-huh. basically nonverbal language uh-huh. stuff, um, which is really f- fun, interesting, um, really makes you think about what you do with your body every day, mm-hmm. you know. And my uh, my professor, who taught me there, she uh, also one of her uh, research topics is uh, is connecting um, dance theory to movement and conducting. And so mm. it was really cool to see how she incorporated that into our lessons. Huh. It's really neat. And then um, you take voice lessons. Um, you take private conducting lessons, so one-on-one with uh-huh. a professor. You're in ensembles, uh, diff- various choral groups uh, at the university. Um, you take history classes, so music history. So uh-huh. th- that's basically like the last 600 years of, of Western choral music. Um... There's some classes on uh, leadership and uh, developing like teams, ensembles, like creating a program essentially. So, w- was it sacred music simply because that's what most choral music was historically, or what? What was the sacred music component? Um, so, in the in the degree in the 21st century, it's basically learning how to be the director of music at a uh, at a church. Uh, and whether that's a Christian church or a synagogue or, or anything really like they, they teach us different faith traditions and, and like kind of the calendar and how it all works and what elements of the service like come into play when they, when they came into play, like what century, like this Mm. or that particular part of the, like the mass or the requiem or something Uh comes into play and kind of like, um, learning, uh, uh, sacred music history. Where do where did hymns come from? Who wrote hymns? Mm-hmm. Um, how mm-hmm. they traveled throughout the world via missionaries, uh, different uh, uh, people from the United States, um, and where they influenced and how that traveled across America. What what books? What hymnals came with them on the wagon trains? Mm. Stuff like that. Like what version of this one you know came through? Um, and then just like what it's like working in a church. Mm. Kind of like you know this is. Uh, you know, the structure and this is how your, your life will be. This is who you'll talk to, the administration, uh-huh. you know, working with an organist. Um, are you an organist? A lot of choral directors are also organists and they fill both roles and mm. um, uh, stuff like that. 
Interesting. I, I would say, yeah, the, the sacred music part is, um, and you just kind of study where everything came from that you, that a lot of people don't really realize that people rarely get the chance to delve into the specifics yeah. of things. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for example, t- this morning I was, uh, I was looking at an amazing grace song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where it came from and how it was, it was amazing. Like, uh, the the lyrics i know the name mm-hmm. like we know the name but we don't know what melody came how that came and and this documentary talk about like this melody amazing grace came from slaves mm-hmm. and and it was amazing and this guy was singing how they sing in that day mm-hmm. it was like mind blowing amazing yeah it's it's a lot of that like uh where the melody came from like sometimes the melody came from has a a a particular organic origin origin like that sometimes it used to be a bar song like that people would sing in the pub and so the church leaders were like well how are we going to get people to sing well well, these are the songs they know this is what they know so so they you know they i thought always thought that was kind of funny but and then and then people who wrote them like just like any author or composer you know there's people who write hymns and Mm -hmm. they have historically Mm. how many sermons you're playing like you can say you can play how many instruments? Oh, instruments. Um, let's see. I always say I play piano, guitar, bass, and drums. Um, I consider my voice uh, my main instrument, and also conducting. I consider uh, conducting an instrument as well. But what about other like instruments? Other stuff. I I mean like I, clarinet. Yeah. <laughs> so I, growing up, I took lessons for for basically every instrument. So I like I can make a sound on most instruments. I could probably play a scale on most instruments. Um, but I, I, I didn't train to be a band director <laughs> yeah. or, or yeah. an orchestral yeah. like director in high school. So I don't play all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can play the trombone, you know, various different things, but. So my, my, my daughter is fourth grade right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, she brought the flute. I said that I, uh, can you make sound? And I said, yeah, sure. And. I thought it's easy, so mm-hmm. I tried to do it. I couldn't do it. I said that. <laughs> Why are you you're yeah. saying? Like it was hard. Like yeah. uh, so. I I know I know one. of more than one aspiring like young you know aspiring oboists in our church. So we may have to okay. uh, we we may have to try to figure out how we get the oboe into. Uh, do you, you don't even know what an oboe is, do you? No, it's, maybe an English name. I don't know. It's the small uh, small instrument, double reed. It looks kind of like a clarinet, but it has a smaller. And it's uh-huh. what they used to tune the orchestra. They play mm-hmm. the, the A that everyone tunes to at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, so it, I mean, it's interesting to me, and, we, and we've had this conversation, right? But after all of that time and study and things like that, um, what, what led you to want to still work at a church? And as opposed to, you know, teaching or doing research or, you know, um, I know we've had this conversation, yeah, but I think it's, just... I think I wouldn't say, uh, it's a, any sort of substitution. It's just one of the facets of what I want to pursue in my life as a musician mm. and a, as a Christian, I think, um, my, my ultimate goal would be to have a, a, a college job where I'm teaching, uh-huh. uh, and I'll get to do academic research as well as teach students and also uh, hold concurrently with um, a church job mm-hmm. and be the director of music uh, somewhere and do have that kind of be um, be my career. So mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I think of it, it's just part of my, it's always been a part of my life and it's something that I enjoy. And I think it's something that um, is essential 
for my spiritual development mm. to be involved wherever I am musically yeah. um, in my church. I so appreciate that, right? Because I think it's, oh. I, I think at different times, it's probably, there's probably a natural gravity to separate those. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, I mean, it's interesting how, how one's life plays out, uh-huh. you know, like I didn't know six months ago I would be in LA still, <laughs> Yeah, mm. <laughs> totally. you know, and then this position came up and I'm like, well, I'll throw, throw my hat in there. Yeah. And yeah. I was, I like, I genuinely was, I had a foot out the door. Like if I didn't get this job, I was probably going to be in Oregon right uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. Just like living in my parents' basement. I, I remember this this, yeah. this conversation. <laughs> right, so what what's the from your vantage point then? Like what what what's the what's the experience of getting to know Cornerstone been like? Like is you know I don't know is it is it exactly what they told you it's like in your doctoral program? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's been it's been uh, amazing. Really, it's the one thing. And Ari touched on this a sec a little bit ago. Is the the culture here is so incredible and healthy and it's just made my experience here uh, so much easier to figure out the ins and outs of this particular job like there's mm-hmm. of course all the things that I would normally think and do and prepare for and plan for and totally uh, enact out um, in this role but it's just learning how things work at cornerstone yeah it's mm-hmm. been it's been been really great so far yeah mm-hmm. what's I, I don't know if you know how to answer this. On a, even on a podcast, okay. but what's, what's been the hardest part of that transition? Hmm. Hardest part of that transition. Or, or yeah. I think, I, I think, um, because, uh, Cornerstone has so many, um, affable and competent musicians who are volunteers on the worship teams. Mm-hmm. I'm used to leading worship every Sunday, mm. like two services every yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Um, classic service with choir conducting organ the whole nine yards hymns. And then I would do a second service, which would be in the, uh, with the rock band uh-huh. and we would lead contemporary worship. And so not leading every week has uh-huh. been difficult just for me as a musician. Like I like making music. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. something that connects me to God um, in that way. And so kind of being in a bit more of a supervisory role or a coaching role mm-hmm. where I could, you know, uh, sort of observe, get to know people, and just kind of see where their gifts are and where I could step in and maybe help them or coach them or guide them in some way. So it's been yeah. kind of nice to step back to have that vantage point. Uh-huh. But also it's been kind of odd because I'm not used to that. So <laughs> totally. it's, a, it's a unique mm-hmm. thing for sure. Totally. Totally. What, um, I mean, I would love to hear you talk just a little bit more, even just in this role as we think about it in the life of the church. Like what, why is corporate musical worship so important to the life of a church and I, mm-hmm. to, to be to be fair i didn't give andy any questions i'm like hey let, let's podcast let's sit down I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. and so i haven't given you any time to think about this but, but i mean as as you've i'm sure thought about it at least generally and and over the years but what why is singing together um what do you think it's important for us to do mm. well that's a Big question. Um, I think, well, there's a number of there's a number of ways to answer this. I'm, I mean, first of all, we're called to in the Bible to do this, totally. so that's the easy answer. Um, but I think what people figured out a long time ago is that when you sing together, there's this sort of symbiotic thing that happens in the room, mm-hmm. and you end up kind of 
in the same space. Mm. It's a little esoteric, but yeah. I mean, there are studies that prove that mm. when you sing together, that your, people's heartbeats sync up. Mm. And that's, you know, a real thing. And, but really it's, it's more of, it's like being on any team, being in an, in an ensemble, being a, a church, a congregational singing. It's yeah. like, you're all doing a thing together and you can't do it without everyone. Mm. Like it's mm-hmm. such a massive thing that's happening. And when you, when you break it down and you think about it, you're like, wow, this is incredible. All of these people are in this room together for the same reason, singing this song. And, and you, one of, the, one of the things I love about Cornerstone is people sing here. <laughs> a lot of churches, people don't sing and you have to drag it out of them or uh, teach them how to worship or teach them to let go or, or, or whatever. But yeah. um, it's, I think probably the, one of the best parts about being a worship leader is when you can hear the congregation singing over the band. Mm. That is just amazing. Like mm. it's hard to continue for me because I, I get choked up mm. when I hear that, when I see that. Mm. And the same thing happens um, in, in basically any healthy musical setting, whether yeah. it's a band, whether it's a choir. And, and I, I think when, when people sing together, it tends to bring about a sense of, um, what's the word? Uh, accountability in, in each other's mm. lives, especially for, for choral, um, stuff. I'm just gonna use choral, uh, in this case, but it applies to everything. Like when, when you're involved in a team, a group, an ensemble, a choir, a band, you, you had this accountability that's sort of built in, in these healthy situations where if you need something, you've got someone to call upon, just mm. like a church is for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, and if you, if you need help, if you're struggling with something, you mm-hmm. know, like when you sing together, there's this, this sort of unwritten bond that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it keeps, I, I think, the reason I do this is I think that making music together with people is what keeps us uh, mentally healthy in a lot of ways. Uh, Andy, I, as I mentioned before, like I, I start making uh, music, especially in visual side and bring the team together. And I realized like, the art and the music and the visual like music video with the good quality and meaningful quality, which is opposite of what the world is giving us every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no hope, there's broken relationship, there's cursing in the music. So I realize uh, like I'm not musician, but uh, like I love doing this, helping and bringing people together, uh, especially in Farsi that there is no resources like English speakers. And I find out how like connect to people, how a uh, different, different group of people in different countries to connect to the music, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, my question is like, you know, this is like significant place uh, and Cornerstone is different family. We call like three language, one church, with the three languages. And how, my question is how Andy, I know you are like, your responsibility is Sunday service, uh, but I'm thinking like we have Andy here and and I know there is lots of short, shortages like to understand the music, to understand the worship, to understand like lots of like Persian Christian, they're trying to kind of copy Hillsong or mm-hmm. battle and mm-hmm. they're trying to do that and it's just not not good and 
I want to see how Andy can help uh, this church, which is include Hispanic, uh, include Persian. Um, like we don't want it. I don't want to overwhelm you, but uh, in your vision, do you learn the culture? How Andy can help in the process? Yeah, I think that's one of the super unique things about Cornerstone is that there's two other families mm. here. And um, I, I would love to. I mean, if there's an opportunity for me to, to guide or to coach or to, you know, take anyone who's, who's doing music stuff uh, in any one of those, I'd be happy to, to come in and just, I don't know, do a, do a thing. I, I'm, I'm curious to learn also about the, from the, the Farsi uh, stuff because the music is, is different than what most Western music. The scales are different, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the structure, I think, in, in depending on if they're yeah. kind of emulating the Western style or if there's elements that are being worked in. Uh, yeah. It's hard to say it, but yeah, I'd love to, to see it and try it out. Mm. Appreciate for it. sure. I, I think it's so. This is so interesting because I think this is something you see in the Farsi music world that you're so engaged in. I think this is like what you're talking about. That there is something um, unique that God has created in the context of music. This is why we're called to mm-hmm. to sing hymns and songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, and I, I mean, I, I admit like there have been times in my life um, where I've looked at that and been like, what? why don't we just say it, right? Why don't we just explain oh, it? Yeah. You yeah. know, like mm-hmm. what's, what, why yeah. put it to music? Like uh-huh. what, you know, what, what does that gain us? Um, but it gains us something very, something very real, mm-hmm. tangible that God has created in the uh, expression of things through art forms and through the mm-hmm. unique art form that is music and particularly singing together um that that does you know if if the goal is to renew or if one of the if the ultimate way we are transformed more and more and becoming more like christ is through the renewing of our minds um you know that's not just memorizing or reciting truths although Mm -hmm. that's that's part of it it's part of being reminded of truth part of it part of the renewing of our minds happens as we sing those truths Mm -hmm. as we sing those truths together yeah as we de- declare them, as we, you know, declare on a Sunday morning, it is well with my soul when earlier that morning, that's not really how, how I was feeling. Right. Totally. <laughs> you know? And I think it's interesting that um, when, when you sing something, a, a text or, or a melody, it tends to stick with you because it, I mean, it creates different uh, pathways in your brain too mm-hmm. than, than just regular speaking. And then you take that throughout the week with you and you're humming it mm-hmm. uh, maybe. And it reminds mm-hmm. you of that. And, and, or maybe the particular text that is being sung is connecting with you for whatever reason, for whatever's going on in your life that week. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it reminds you of how, you, what state you were in at church that Sunday when you had that feeling. Mm-hmm. And it either reminds you of how you developed, how you grew, um, how you dealt with such a thing, or maybe you were just experiencing joy or something. I don't know. It's hard to say because we, we all experience church and worship in different ways. And it's always fascinating to me when, um, when the Holy Spirit moves and someone in the congregation needed one line from mm. one song. Mm. And to you, maybe mm-hmm. it was, you know, quickly passed over. Mm. But, mm. But, but when this happens, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that uh-huh. like when i was programming this music mm-hmm. and, and then all of a sudden yeah. god uses it in this way and yeah. it's just incredible uh, one of the things that 
really drew me to go after making music for Farsi speakers. It was how my wife became Christian. Mm -hmm. So our church in Iran was kind of, if you come to the church in that day, you have to repent. Mm. Like they force you to repent. Mm. It's kind of, come on, come. Like, <laughs> Jesus loves you. Yeah. And my wife, like, I was like pastor. My wife was just coming to the church. Yeah. And she was like, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. Until she gave her heart through the worship song. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that changed her life deeply. Like yeah. that song deeply go to her heart and she just accept Jesus, mm -hmm. which is like, for me, I like, I said, that's a powerful, that's very important that God put mm -hmm. uh, in our life uh, oh. and the church life. Um, so um, yeah, it's undeniable yeah, that, that, that yeah, um, yeah. The, the impact that it could have. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. Well, man, I, I really appreciate this. Thanks so much for, I mean, this is just like a little bit of snippet of an opportunity to, to, to connect, but I, um, and to connect with the, the broader church, I'm, I'm really excited that you're here. I'm excited for Thanks. you and for <laughs> yeah. your life and for your me heart. Too. I'm also excited for our church and for me to, to be led in music, um, by you to have our, uh, that aspect of our, um, worship and our corporate gatherings together being shaped yeah. by you and um i'm super thankful for how the lord did you know brought me here uh, for brought sure. you here this guy yeah. it was absolutely him um and so uh super excited for that and for those of you listening to it i would encourage you to you know introduce yourself to andy when you see him around i know he's yeah, like do. he's he's still yeah. meeting people he's like you yeah. know i uh it, it's it's hard so you take the step Say hi yeah. to Andy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> say hi and, and I mean, remind you, him of your name. If you, yeah, remind me of your name, please. Right out, right yeah. away. That'd be right. Also, like if, if I if I see you with a mask on, you know, I might yeah. not recognize you the next day. Totally. Um, yeah. Oh, also, if if you friend me on Facebook, uh -huh. and I might not remember who I met, especially if you had a mask on. Uh -huh. So just give me a wave. Send me a message. Say hey, I'm so and so from church. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm like. And also, Andy, you are you getting bombarded with a random Facebook? Yeah, kind like, of. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that like, happens. And, yeah. I, and I, I want to make sure I shake people's hands and look them in the eye and, until I friend them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to make sure that I connect with these folks. Uh, uh, like I was like, if I want to compare you, like when I'm, I'm seeing you and especially like two Sunday ago, like you were the first time uh, singing on stage mm -hmm. yeah. and I hear uh, your voice and all the setup and the music. I really, really enjoy it. Thank you. And uh, it's not only like, I've been in a, a, the world of musician, some musician they're doing, they're trying to do performance and some musician they're doing trying to do worship mm -hmm. and i i see that you you were doing the worship uh, with a good music and uh and you know i don't know you know about asaph uh in old testament mm. and asaph wrote a uh, few psalms i because i'm i'm very interested in the music and art in the in the bible so mm -hmm. uh i'm kind of comp comparing you when i'm seeing you as asaph because <laughs> okay. in my 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 head yeah. the asaph the asaph was leader of leaders mm. of the musician and worship uh cool. worshipers yeah. so he was handsome yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, wow. was, he, he he could play any instrument and he was leading mm -hmm. uh the the uh, god's family to worship and i think when i'm seeing you 
uh, remind me Asif. And Asif had a red beard. So this is, I mean, it's really <laughs> uncanny. It's really. <laughs> what are the odds? What are the odds? So you can call Asif Andy. That's yeah, right. There you go. My cornerstone nickname. That's right. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, All thanks right. for having me. God bless you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We love you. And we will see you singing together on Sunday. Amen. Right. Take care.